Do you wanna rub on Simba's tummy? Or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny. On did that do it for ya? Begin. Got it. I got it. You've got it. Hello. I got it. <laughs> Hello and welcome. <laughs> To another episode of That Do It For You, the Sexual Awakenings podcast, where we talk about the media that made us horny for the first time. I'm your host, Leo Grierson, and I am here with an incredible guest. He's a writer, an actor, a star in all senses of the word. Please welcome to the pod, Esau Mora. Hello, gorgeous. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So oh, happy to be here. Well, you're here again. Thrilled. Because... Thrilled. <laughs> yes. Exalted. <laughs> this. Thank you for coming back again. Because uh, as 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 people who as as real fans know, uh, th- there was an there was a moment in time where I was trying to bring the pod back. I took a little hiatus. We're trying to bring it back, and I recorded a handful of episodes that the audio just was fucked because. I have a laptop, yes, from like 2011 that just has, is is putting up a fight uh, against me. I'm the antagonist (laughs) in a story, Um, but we're here, we're on my work laptop, we're making happen. Thank you so much for coming back. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I'm so happy. Anytime you want to derail your recording technologically to have me back on, I'm all about it. Oh, great. Well, I'm, I want to do like repeat guests. Yeah. I'm sure I wasn't the, the only one, but we're doing, we're going to talk about a handful of topics today, but first, the first topic on my mind, everyone's mind is how are you? How are you? Tell us how you I'm are. I'm doing well. Oh my gosh. I'm doing, I'm doing great. My, my dog did just have surgery. So I am playing naked little haunch. I'm playing nurse. <laughs> He's a naked. I had to, I had to cover his testicles because it was a lot. <laughs> Also, it makes no sense to me why they, they like haphazardly shaved his, his right balls? side. They're oh. like, well, I don't know why they shaved his scrotum. Like, what would they be doing there that they would need, that they would need his scrotum for? Like, it makes no sense to me. Right, because wasn't it um, knee surgery? It was knee surgery. So I don't, I don't know what they're doing down there. I don't know what kind of OnlyFans situation they've got going on, but he's fine now and he's in my home and with, um, with nakey balls he is like little nakey balls so i'm like that is so humiliating him, for him taking care of him yeah he's so embarrassed but he's okay but he's you're doing great but you are I'm such good. a good mother you're such a good mother i'm but there's also the part of me right where i'm like <laughs> i'm so sad i'm so sad that he got surgery but also like all of the attention I'm getting, I love it. It's full like Manchowson, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm just. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna start carrying him in a. I'm gonna carry him in a sling to the grocery store and be like, uh-huh, my son, yeah, my son, yeah. So I'm good. Yes, you're you're thriving on the attention you're getting from your wounded son. Yeah, <laughs> and but I'm also- good. I'm yes. rested. We just. I got back from Australia. I'm I'm chilling. Back yes. in New Zealand now. Yes, yeah. you famously live in New Zealand. Um, to the envy yeah, of famously. most of your friends and family, you live in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, we often have to temper ourselves. We, my partner and I, because I'm like, we're hateable. We're incredibly <laughs> hateable right now. 
<laughs> so let's only re- let's only release so much joy into the world before before we lest we get a backlash. <laughs> the curated content so that you, no one no one gets too yeah. angry. You're not looking to be beheaded in these streets. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just trying to live my bourgeois fantasy by Uniqlo and not worry about the rest you know what yes I mean? and that's like famously like new zealand takes care of its people so that they can just buy uniqlo and not worry except we don't have a goddamn uniqlo in this country or an apple store for that sense you know what i'm not even gonna get started i'm Wait, just gonna uh, let please. that one go because i think you should get started okay yes. at this point i literally only went to australia to buy uniqlo like, <laughs> at this, like i i was in melbourne for five days and I historically went to Uniqlo three times. Wow. Um, you stocked and, up. Like, in my crate. Yeah, well, not even. I bought like five items, but it's I'm very much like I have to pick it up and carry it around the three stories of the Uniqlo. Yes. And then I'll put it back and come back the next day and like do the whole thing again. Yes. Until I really know that I want it. The ritual. Um, yes. Yeah. But no, it was yeah, New Zealand doesn't have some things. There's like not a Uniqlo, not an Apple store. There's like no Amazon distribution, which is actually kind of great. Like Amazon was trying to build here and they were like, no. Yeah, good. Um, we keep being told we're going to get an Ikea, but I've been burned before. Um, <laughs> you don't want to believe. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to believe. Insert like, yeah, like X-Files music. Oh, I might, but I don't want to get taken down. But sorry, continue. Yeah. Um. But now it's good. We're just entering autumn here, depending on right. where you are in the world. Southern in fucking the southern hemisphere. hemisphere. Oh, yeah. Like torrential rain, like flooding, flooding throughout our our garage, our garage uh, flooded with water. No. Because the, the earth, the earth, it like displaced paving stones and like brought them down our driveway. Oh, it was, no. I drove my son to his surgery in a storm. <laughs> like it was, it was actually crazy. Oh my God. I thought you were living your bougie fantasy, not your <laughs> climate apocalypse. What's going on? I know. This is just the end. Full, what's, what's that one musical about that revolution? Cats, right? No. What, what is it? Uh, what? <laughs> Les Mis, Les Mis. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, same kind of vibe, big spectacle. I would argue like very different at heart, but perhaps, I mean, Cats, sure. Cats is what you make it. Like Cats is a piece of modern art that will react to you if you react to it. So, you know, that's how I feel. Yes. There's, yeah, there's, uh, there's this great quote that was just put up by Caridad Switch. If you mm. don't like, if you don't mm. know their work, plug. Not, they're they're amazing. Yeah. Um. And they put up an EE Cummings quote that was like, "Stop trying to fucking under." This is my watered down version of it. Yes. I can't remember it exactly. <laughs> it's like, "Stop trying to fucking like understand a play. Stop trying to figure it out. Let it figure you out. Let it strut its stuff and get to know you. You don't yes. need to get to know the play. The play's Bad gonna get bitch. to know you." And I was like. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I just I love. I I love, it. I love her. I love her Twitter presence. Um, she she's great. She's everything. She is partly responsible for um, me applying <laughs> to grad school. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, because she, um, her and Jared Mazzocchi are probably the most active people on Twitter ever. Um, 
and you're and making- like in ways that aren't super academic which I love you know what I mean because there's a very like and I and I love this national treasure Lynn Nottage but it's very like it still feels very I'm let my flight is delayed like very like no yes. it's like Caridad is up at two in the morning being like, what the fuck is going on with this world? And yes. I love that shit. Yes, exactly. And and her kind of shadow side to that is this little white man named Jared Mazzocchi, who is a, a leader of digital theater. He is like the I guy, the guy. And so he teaches at University of Maryland and... Um, Yes. So I was like, as I was like looking for grad programs and once I'd realized like, oh, I don't actually want to go to Yale. I want to get into Yale. There's a difference. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do I actually want out of a grad program? So I reached out to Jared via Twitter DM and I was like, hey, I'm interested in your program. And then like for the past several months, we've been meeting and talking about the program. I just went to visit the school. If I don't, I'm supposed to find out in the next couple of weeks if I got in. So this will be like, yeah. this is going to be like, oh, look, it was before their journey began. Or it's going to be like, yeah. oh, that's embarrassing for you. Um, but so. also, fuck it. <laughs> Who cares? It. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But Who also cares? just like finding your grad program on Twitter is like the real like 2022, like t- digital Cinderella story. So if I could, yeah, if I could tell anything to my younger self, it would be DM more people. Mm-hmm. People will like, not even like, obviously like, don't be weird. Like don't send nudes <laughs> unless they're, yeah, no, not that kind of DM. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Not that kind of DM. Unless you're into it. Time and place. But um, yes. No, like, yeah. Like email people, uh, ask questions. It's totally cool. Most people want to be interacted with. Yes. Yes, especially, especially. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited though. Oh, I hope I get in. We just had a really, really magical weekend in DC visiting the school and like talking to Jared and hanging out and just, I got to sit in on one of his classes and I like feel changed as a person. So I'm like, oh, I have to go here. Love that. Mm -hmm. So I I would like, I love that. I want to get a master's degree so that I can teach undergrads who think they're all that that's my calling i love that are you gonna make are you gonna go like full dangerous minds very like i've never uh, seen dangerous michelle viper oh you need to hang up on me right now and go watch dangerous minds all right podcast recording Um, over sorry i don't know everyone what is it what's it about what's it about it's kind it's kind of a joke but it's not it's like this Michelle Pfeiffer goes into the inner city and teaches these youths and it's how to have dangerous minds. Um, It's a part of that, like Edward James almost like dead poet society. You know what I mean? Like that whole. I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping that someone comes on and wants to talk about dead poet society. Cause I had a whole like pubescent moment to that movie. Um, Which like. You did not pull the page to that moment in, in the library, which is so dark. But how I pulled the tag. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so like, okay, like, not to like spoilers for if I ever do a Dead Poet Society episode, but like, really, truly, how did I? Post, yeah. Yeah. I truly like look back on that time in my life as like, oh, that, if I had just like a little bit more access to like information about transgenderism, that might have been a bit of a moment for me to realize what was going on with me. Because, like, in hindsight, like, that should have been the moment that I realized. Like, my, 
obsession. <laughs> like yeah. not just erotic, not just erotic, but like deep gender envy of these little like white prissy intellectual schoolboys having kind of like homosocial under like borderline homoerotic moments uh, to English class yeah. and Robin Williams is there. Like that <laughs> I was Ugh. shook to my core about that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but alas, took me I 30 years. I we're all on a journey and that's all it's about yeah. is ever flowing what is what is time but a river that I long to drown in you know what I mean that is so it's, true bestie um I'm gonna yeah. you say what you want to say I need to I need to adjust my situation because my wi-fi is acting up but I'm don't worry no worries we're we're gonna okay, move I'm we're gonna, gonna move to the bed <laughs> And I'm gonna. I love it. I'm gonna MacGyver a little situation for myself by getting an Amazon box out of the closet and putting it on my bed. But I need my glasses. I love boxes. I think they're fantastic. Oh, they are such a helpful, useful prop. That's why I never recycle them. I hoard them like a little creature. Um, Hold on. This is all staying. They also make great masks. You can make fantastic masks out of them. You can make them. Oh, like a, not like a COVID mask, like a, like a, like a theater mask. No, like a, like a larval mask. (gasps) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on, full on clowning. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Hold on. This is terrible. I'm so glad that you. uh, 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 Ah, Oh, God. I'm going to okay, take a on. little bite of this. You take pastry. a bite of your pastry while I MacGyver a mic stand from a box. Okay. That, that's your grad school right there. Aha! Yes, this is all about innovation. <laughs> using using new technologies or old technologies in new ways. Okay, that'll probably be just fine, Hello. <laughs> Wow, that was so much better. I just ate. <gasps> Jealous? That's amazing. <laughs> I made cardamom brown butter the other day, and I'm like having it on a on a on a croissant right now, and it's just because it's morning here. Um, yeah. <laughs> is it Wednesday where you are? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Wednesday indeed. So when I was like mm, Tuesday yeah. at six, you had to be like, okay, bitch, like <laughs> Wednesday I was at like, cool, cool. I love I love that you have the decency to send me a google invite because that means i don't have to do any thinking that means it just tells me where to be i am a really big fan of the google calendar um shout out to uh producer and friend of the pod eleanor hobson for shaming me into really taking advantage of all that google calendar has to offer i am a much better person for it and i've been zooming with so many people in different time zones um yeah that is just i'm so international it just it's it gets so helpful because it does the math for you and it it translates it into the time zone there was a funny moment though when i was recording the last episode with fiona frawley where daylight savings had happened the night before and all of a sudden i because they don't do that so like all of a sudden our time difference was like a little different so I had to like message her and be like, hey, so super American thing just happened. Are you able to accommodate this change? And she was very gracious, but you guys don't have that either. We do, it <gasps> like happens later. So like, we're about to have the most skewed timeline. No. Like I think right now, right now we're what? Four hours away from each other? Like in the, in the you multiverse and I? that we're existing. 
No. Yeah, how many? Like, I mean, yeah, it's like 18 right now, oh, right? Oh, sure, it's sure, like a sure. day and some change. A day and some change, But yeah. in terms of like, in terms of like 11 a.m. for me is... What time is it where you are? It's 11. It's 11, it's 11 a.m. waking up in the morning. Um, 11 like 11 and change. 11, 17, yeah. 11 to 10. Uh, I, on a you Wednesday. Know what? I, on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, yeah, you know what? I... I'm I'm riddled with learning disabilities. There's no way that I'm going to be able to figure that Same. out. Um, that's just you don't not, have to. Thank no you. one does. It's just not my. That's for Google. That's for Google. They have computers for that. That's you know what computers have made it so that I only have to be pretty popular and fun. Those and present. You know what I mean? Like that's it. I love it. Yeah, that's it. How do we know each other? We know each other because we went to the same school. But not same, together. Uh, but not together. A year apart, two years apart. Something to that effect. I think you, I just missed, I just missed you as you came in. Mm -hmm. um, and we knew each other on the social sphere, like in the Twitter presence is really where I uh, gained traction with you. And Connor, my roommate, knew you, knew yes. of you. Yes um and then it wasn't until we were deciding to throw a brick through our uh, <gasps> academic institution uh, that we really palled around rabble rousers yes yeah when we created uh, an anti-racist coalition for our school yes we so, did that we did that we, we did. need to we need to check in on that we are we we, are, we need to double back around um it's it's been a bit and Jackie was really good about like this can be edited. She was very good about like this is the these are the steps that we're still taking Great. so that you know good. we're still working on these things. This good, is good, 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 good. Um, but that's how we met each other. That is how we met each other. Um, yes. Then, oh, the Twitter. Yes. <laughs> the Twitter again. Um and then working with your collective as well, getting to mm -hmm. jump back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your um your infamous cameo in Drunk Bring It On. Drink it on, if you will. Love it. When you sang Rose's turn in during the cheer tryouts. Uh, lives on in infamy, lives on on the TikTok. <laughs> it's actually, I don't think it's on the TikTok. I think I need to put it on the TikTok still. But um, oh my God. My TikTok, I love my, that. yes. I think you're actually a part of my, um, you are part of my grad school portfolio. Just like, here's like a, an, exa an example of like what my work looks like. And it was like the, the cheer tryout. <laughs> me screaming in a in an airbnb in hahe yeah it was very funny it. <laughs> it was very funny well i just remember um to talk about you for a second i remember when i came into school your name was on everybody's lips um much like roxy Ooh. um i don't know you were just like kind of the pinnacle of like sao like it like is success is is glamour there was a lot of awe around you because you had you know gone and done louisville and you you did you you came back and you did you you came back and did osf right no i oh. like historically never touched you, ground you just were like uh, actress theater i'm out by bitches yeah i uh was in deep grief like actually genuine deep grief while i was going to school 
and my father had passed away mm. and then the following year my sister passed away and Jeez. it was just like what the fuck am I even doing here like I don't yeah. want to live here I there's no one from my community here like what, what the fuck am I doing um smash cut went to the a friend that I had made in Fresno California where I first went to school was doing Actors Theater of Louisville and I was doing the Irene Ryan thing, this competition, and <laughs> I ran into the man, Michael Legg, who was running the program at the time. And my words to him were, you know my friend Taylor, right? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah, Taylor, she's at the program. And I was like, tell that bitch I say hi. And I whipped around and was about to leave when he was like, I saw you perform yesterday. And I was like, okay. And he was like, oh, all right. Um, and that was it. That was my interaction with him. And then I left. And then like circumstances happened where his friend happened to be directing me in a 10 minute. And then he was like, I want to meet with you. I do want to have a meeting with you. Um, and at this point, I think it was the fact that I was never really cast in school. I was never, Were you, not... you know what I mean? Like historic. Yeah. Yeah. I did two plays while I was in school. Like that was it. No, I did a play while I was in school. At OSU, OS, uh, I, I did one play while I was in school. I My was God. an understudy, which I'm not a good understudy. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the brain or the range to be an understudy. And I, I know that. I feel like that's like an impossible thing to like quantify, like because understudies are treated like garbage. Like that's so hard to know if you are a good one which or is aren't crazy. one. crazy. Because <sighs> you have to be so good. You it's have to like have so many brains. It is like treating firefighters like garbage. That is the way that I view the, like, if, if we were to treat understudies the way that we treat firefighters, because like, no, like, there's not like a certain number of fires that are set to happen. It's in case of emergency. Like, it's the fact that like, yeah. the whole industry just like shits and poops on the people who are there to save their ass is fucked up crazy and i do blame one of my favorite movies of all time all about eve but i digress finish your story yes um two plays i historically only did two plays in the two years that i was in school which honestly was a better attrition rate for the previous institution that i was at okay um you know where i had done one play yeah um but I went to school and then uh, like I, the idea of going to be a trainee where we would be shit on as like underpaid, exploitable labor who had to still be enrolled in university so that yes. they could get a tax break historically. Oh my God. Um, the American theater. Mm. Um, and like, that was my option. Like that was, but also that had been my dream. So I was like, oh, but then I literally had what Scott Kaiser historically told me, you have a bird in the hand right now. He's like, I would, I can't tell you to stay in audition because you'll, you won't know by the time you need to leave. And you have this opportunity. You did the right thing. Um, yeah, so I left, um, which is interesting that people were like, oh, he left. He like, he's not gonna audition at all. He's not gonna do it. Oh. And that was that. It was it was very strange. By the time I by the time I arrived and people were talking about it, you were like, um, you were like the boy who made it out. It. Like you, I don't know. People had people were, had yeah. very highly favored things to say about you. So I like 
by the time I met you, I was like, oh, and then like, you know, of course, you're just a person, a lovely person who I love, but you are a person Who's nonetheless. exploiting his, exactly. And I'm just here to exploit my dog for attention at the end of the day. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. Amazing. That was, that's, uh, amazing. That's great. I love that's it. I love, I love the, I love the false lore behind me. The false lore. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely it's always my favorite. Yes. Absolutely yes. I mean, like, it's like what? In any, in any, I can't believe like this is an environment that I'm like trying to get back into. Both like go to school and then teach at a school. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so much of my like, so much of my time like spent in school i spent a lot of time like kind of watching my professors and teachers and being like that's not how i would do it and like just taking yes. little notes and like you know no hate to the people who who taught us some hate to some of them but um because, <laughs> yeah go. some hate to some of them for sure i am I am historically um, also trying to become a teacher yes. with no real accreditation. You know what I mean? Um, like I, I do enjoy teaching. I feel very ooey about it. And we mm -hmm. learned a lot. We learned, we had some very good instructors. We had yes. some very, very good instructors. Yes, we did. Um, who, who gave us a technique that allows us to be so good in so many different fields. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's the thing now when I look at like the programs here in New Zealand and the differences there and I'm like oh how would I do it so that it doesn't become a toxic space yes you know like toxic how, space. how just, can I challenge individuals emotionally without creating a toxic space you know yes that is like, my question constantly that is the question constantly and I think it's unfortunate that I think because of a couple factors scarcity mindset and um I think the fact that we like hurry children into college so quickly after high school, I think like it's until my firm belief is that um, the like training ground is kind of like where the industry goes. So like the fact that like I think like, how do I say I'm not coming, I'm not articulating this well. If we want to change the industry, we have to change the way that we train people for it. 100%. Like, because so much of my experience was like, base essentially grooming to like, it, I abuse. Like, take abuse, yeah, to take abuse, like, it, it's breaking you down, you know, it's like, oh, like, this teacher's mean to me. And like, I like it. And I'm like, I don't think that that's good. Like, my chemistry teacher, my chemistry 101 teacher would never do this to me. Um, like, it's, yeah. it's a lot of grooming behavior that then perpetuates into the industry and then i also think that there's like a lot of interpersonal bullshit that like 19 year olds do and i don't know how to like solve that <laughs> like that's more of a oh they're 19 kind of issue yeah but that's also and that's also the thing though right with young artists young artists who are the stars of their uh, high schools which I was not, because I was historically only in, <laughs> I was only an academic decathlon, okay? Yes, um, bitch. <laughs> um, so like, I, 
when you take when you take people who are deeply passionate and feel so deeply othered and feel so special for being so othered and you put them into a space where they realize that they're not as special as they are because their niche little interests and qualities are a shared dark culture among so many people it creates crazy tendencies and you all want to be the best child in the room I remember when I arrived, when I arrived at SOU, I wasn't in the program yet. I had like moved there with all my shit, but had gotten into the university, but didn't know if I was in the BFA program yet. Right. Um, and Connor, I remember we had a conversation one time where he was years later, where he was like, oh, I hated you. We all, did. Ah! Like, we all were like, there's a new favorite. There's a new favorite in the land. And it's that kind of behavior, right? Where you're Absolutely, just like- yes. How do you get people to just see each other as like colleagues, colleagues and contemporaries who are going to fail and like make yes. really triumphant things for like five seconds in a classroom? Yes. And that's what it's about. That's you know? what it's about. It's yes. I think about that all yeah. the time. I think about that all the time. I think like it was interesting because of all my experiences in um, in university, of which there were three, um, mm-hmm. my third one at SOU was actually the best. And I don't think it has anything to do with that SOU actually. I think it has everything to do with the fact that I came in as a 23 year old already having a bit of life experience under my belt. So I was just like a little bit better at handling things. So like, yeah, I don't feel like we should start training until 23. Like I honestly- You mean your frontal lobe was formed so that you can have reasoning and logic? And that's not to say that I wasn't like, that's not to say that I wasn't an asshole. That's not to say that I didn't have like weird meltdowns or like behave oddly towards my peers. Like that was still happening, but not to the extent that it was. Yes. Not to the extent that it was when I was 18. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is all fascinating for people to hear. Um, (laughs) People are like, what the fuck is this podcast about? What is this Uh. podcast about? I always... (laughs) I always bring on people that I went to college with. So we end up inevitably talking about college, which is, of course, you know, none of us would be in college if we didn't have a special uh, sexual awakening moment. I do believe this. Yes. And I'm curious about what yours was. What are we talking about today? We're talking about so many things because I cannot hold focus for too long. That's okay. Um, It's a bit of a grab bag episode. Yeah. I think one of the first times that I was like, Oh, that was weird. Honestly, <laughs> The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid was huge for me. Go on. It just, I was so overwhelmed by like the deep pining in the deep blue sea by this uh, creature. Yes. And Ursula. Like, <laughs> Ursula, yes. You know, honestly, uh, uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, like those were the ones. Uh, really? No, oh, you're joking. No, you're joking. Like, it was King Triton. But, it was King Triton. But Triton. Well, the fact that that, like, yeah, the daddy issues I had, mm. like, like uh, all toppling on top of each other. And it wasn't even, I mean, I'm sure, like, now in retrospect, I can look back and be like, was it Prince Eric? But no, because he's so fucking boring. He's so it bland. Was truly yeah. Dumb. Not listening, number one. Just like the music, the drama, the mm. hair, uh, everything about that experience was crazy to me. Mm. And to date, whenever that film is on, I can just lose myself in it. Yeah. Partnered immediately 
with Can You Feel the Love Tonight in Lion King. <sighs> I have uh, never recovered sexually or emotionally from Nala's eyes, from her gaze. Oh, God. I mean, we've talked about Nala's gaze, her eyes. many times on this podcast it 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 comes up i think like it was very clearly a very significant beat change for people our age yeah to like see what was that doing in a children's movie i don't know and it's that like i don't i don't blame it i'm glad it was there good it's good Um, that it was it no 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 this is a no judgment but like what was it doing (laughs) i don't know it was like it turned me it was just like it was horny it was unequivocally horny unequivocally horny and also i was like i can wield power in a room you know what i mean (laughs) like all of a sudden i started noticing people doing it in public spaces oh interesting you know like i started seeing the way that my siblings behave with their partners, with their significant others, and the way that my mom would behave with a significant other, and the way that people would share glances in church and like all this In the shit. Lord's house. Like it was in the Lord's house. And it was just so, so exciting and exhilarating. But I also grew up as a latchkey kid, mm. just like watching whatever was on TV. And it was a lot of like Mari, and Jerry Springer <laughs> and you know what I mean? and it was like and Christina which is like our I don't want to say our Oprah but kind of like that's okay Christina's, you can say it yeah you know like very different queendoms they're doing very different things but like Christina was huge but there were these elements of like and today we have a, a cross-dresser or today we have a stripper there's also male strippers and it was very crazy to see that kind of usage of a body because I grew up like super conservative and religious so like getting to experience those little glimpses was huge because also then I couldn't like take that into the public and express it because you know like god forbid it was a something I really kind of did keep bottled up for a long time so yeah that it was so weird oh amazing have you ever heard of Sabado Gigante no I don't know what that is Okay, it's essentially, it translates to Giant Saturday or a Giant Saturday, the Giant Saturday. Um, and it's like a variety show. And they would have these like different acts come on, comedians, and like it was it was weird and musicians and they'd sell Colgate. Um, but they would have, as a seven-year-old watching this, they would have these other seven-year-olds come on who were like, tremendous dancers like flamenco uh samba cumbia um fucking like banda music like they were hitting the the ground and i remember like that was another major moment of like oh like what how do i get that outfit how do i look like that in that outfit like how do i how do i feel that how do i fulfill that fantasy Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) I am obsessed. I love, I I think like the kind of overarching theme I I think we should talk about in this episode based on like the information I'm getting is that like you as a latchkey kid were very much like raised and influenced by TV. Yes. Yes. 100%. Up until, 
honestly now up until yeah. now like yeah everything I know about the way I perceive the world is based on on media yeah totally and obviously I have my own sense of self and I work on it but it's mainly it's mainly Selena's performance it's oh. mainly it's mainly like her body of work and then JLo's interpretation <laughs> as like, you know, like that is, oh yes that's how I see the world those uh-huh. are the parameters of my, uh-huh. of my world yes that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters really yeah Selena, that you have like, my mom didn't memory of or just total no that is the first movie I saw in movie theaters my mom took me to it and yeah I think it like uh I have a very Andrew and I my partner Andrew and I have very conflicting uh purviews of how much media children should get oh interesting where I do believe that watching six hours of tv a day is normal like I truly believe in that as a as an activity for a child because like what else are you doing if you if you can't go out and play because it's raining and if you can't like your friends live far away or you don't live in a safe neighborhood like yeah you're gonna watch television and I think it's okay I think that there's a lot of stuff to watch and a lot of conversations to have right after you watch these very intense things like Nala's yeah. eyes, very intense. Like Nala's eyes. <laughs> how do you explain that to a child? But also, how do you, you explain? Don't. You don't. They explain themselves. Exactly. Your child witnesses it in the world and puts some puzzle pieces together themselves. But also, like, how do you explain Selena's murder to a child? That's a hard thing. That's that's a hard one. 100%. And I remember, like, there was this disassociative quality to it, right? Because I was watching it not in real time because I was really young I think when she was actually murdered I think because they made the film I think like a year or two right afterward yeah very close very close behind yeah Yeah. which is also very weird like I think that that uh, too soon they got whoever whoever greenlit that thank you because of JLo but like I don't know um yeah where you see this like intense powerful feminine energy and then it's crushed and that was such a, and it wasn't really explained to me in any other way other than people do terrible things sometimes. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Yeah. And it feels, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of that in terms of like, in terms of every culture, as we, as we, as you historically illuminated for me, the last time that we had a conversation was like, it's not just uh, chauvinism and machismo inside of Latin culture, but like everywhere in the world. But when I think specifically of like the telenovelas that I would watch as a kid, like there was always an informed decision to slap a woman. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was Mm. always such a strange acceptance that we were like, oh, like that wasn't good. Like that's a bad person. That's how you know it's a bad person. I know he's bad because he slapped a woman. Yeah. But also, what? Like we needed that? He shot three people in the previous episode. But he slapped a woman. It was a very dramatic stage slap. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. So did you watch a lot of telenovelas growing up as well? Yeah, it was very like uh, secretive, you know, because we oh. were Jehovah's Witness and like we weren't supposed to do it. So we watched everything. Like I think anything that Thalia was ever in, I watched. Thalia, I think would have become JLo if she had gotten that that run if mm-hmm. her if her access to English had been 
to the English speaking world have been totally. broader. I think that she would have, she would have gotten that traction. Um, and she played like these poor girls who like grew up and became rich. And it was just so ridiculous. And there were like some geared towards children where it's like a young orphan, you know, it, they're not original stories, but like they're glorious. But the most impactful one was uh, Mi Pequeña Traviesa, which translates to my my little troublemaker. Oh. Um, and it was this young woman who was very poor and she needed to get a job. But obviously women can't be trusted to work. So she had to dress up as a man <gasps> and like go out into the workforce. Oh, my And favorite. then she like falls in love with this guy, but she can't show him. But and he doesn't know why he's attracted. And then she's like, it's like a Mrs. Doubtfire, but with youth. It's Twelfth um, Night. <laughs> it's Twelfth Night. They were just doing Twelfth Night. Um, and it was crazy. Like that was uh, the gender fuckery of it mm. and the the magic, like the illusion and the self-delusion of it all was and is still so captivating to me. Amazing. Like that's the part of me I think that that keeps Shakespeare alive in my heart where again, my partner fucking hates him. Like, <laughs> we, I don't want to watch one. I don't want to watch another one. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, but it's like, it's like high drag when yes! it's actually executed correctly. Yes. It's great. It's you know, like, it be... yes, it's high drag for language, mama. Yeah. And cut it down. You, that's okay. Cut it, cut it the fuck down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, get the but, bars you need for your dance mix. Get and the move bars. on. <laughs> that's all you need. Oh my God. Oh, I love that so much. Um, yes. So I, I took an anthropology class, which like we all know that anthropology is like white devil work, but. Um, right. Phrenology but and mysticism. All yeah. All of it. But something interesting that I, as a pop culture person and as like a general like culture raccoon, I love garbage um, as, as, mm -hmm. as someone who like Same. really loves and reveres pop culture. Something that I appreciated about this class that I took was that it said that like, if you want to know and understand the values of any like culture or society, you just have to look at their soap operas and their sports. And I think, and like we did kind of a, a like, we did kind of like a comparative of like telenovelas and like days of our lives. And we were like, okay, so like, like what is inherently American about days of our lives? Like what is inherent? I think we were watching a telenovela from Mexico. So like, what can we infer like about like Mexican culture and values from this telenovela? Um, I'd be curious if you have any thoughts on that to, to spring that on you or because I, I that was like really my only time I ever watched telenovelas. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I also took anthropology and loved it. I, I loved anthropology. Loved anthropology. Love anthropology. Me too. Um, I love I love looking at skeletons. Mm. I love looking at beads and I love looking <laughs> at fossilized human remains mm. like it is. I love it. Um, <laughs> But I do think that that's very true. And as someone who straddled the, like being Mexican and being American, being first generation and feeling very, feeling like an alien in both realms, um, it is very interesting to watch the, the cultural and societal norms 
and the emotional allowances that we make, right? We're like, even when we watch days of our lives and, or like dynasty, right? Yes. There are these beautiful elements of camp and glamour and money and like what it is to be a criminal and come back mm-hmm. still rich and still white <laughs> and like Always still white. in society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're still invited into homes, even though you're a criminal, like, you know what I mean? Whereas in a soap opera, that wouldn't be the case. Like you, the story would be about how you're sitting at the perimeter of the Mm storyline, trying to break in, trying Mm -hmm. to hurt again, or trying to work your way up and not being able to. Yeah. It's, it's so telling. It's interesting more than, more than it is telling. It's very interesting. Um, But on emotional allowances, right. It's like, whenever I watch American soaps, the few times that I do it, we have one here called Shortland Street that's been running for like 25 years, something. Oh, yeah. Every country has one. Every country has one Every that's been running one. for a thousand years and there's like yeah. a, a thousand episodes. Yeah. And there's like Coronation Street in Coronation the UK. Coronation Street. And, yes. Um, so it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, but it is a place where I still feel that there is like a very muffled emotional catharsis that can happen it's rare that someone breaks down crying in an American soap opera yeah in my experience my limited experience with it I should say yeah men don't cry but but if ever any other every other episode it's like someone clutching their hair in a Mexican soap opera and I I love that like that to me not I love seeing people or or women in these situations, but I, I love the catharsis of like, life is so grand or life is so terrible that I can only express myself this way. And I think that that for me is still very tied into sexuality mm. and the way that we allow ourselves to experience it. Or for me, you know, like the evolving, um, the evolving journey of like enjoying your sexuality and enjoying your gender and and the journey therein. I think those two, those many of those puzzle pieces coincide for me. Yes, absolutely. Like I want I want to kind of circle back to something that you said, kind of offhandedly that I'm curious about. You were raised Jehovah's Witness, mm-hmm. and you were also raised by the TV. And there was some TV that you had to hide and watch on the sly. Yeah. I'm curious about that experience. I grew up Jehovah's Witness, which I think is number one, the reason I know how to read in Spanish. So I'm very thankful for him. Um, but it did, it is a, a culture of like puritanical white rule. Like it was started by a white man in like 1913 who was trying to like prophesize the end of the earth by 1914. And then it was like, oh, there's a world war so we can really make money. Um, you know, like, and that's how I feel about it. But I was very, I had drunk all the Kool-Aid. So I like really thought God was watching me all the time. And at the same time, was existing in a, in a world where like, we're in a single parent household. So I'm able to watch whatever I want because my mom's at work. And like, we didn't have a nanny or a babysitter. So for the most part, you know, like, and once we were older, we could just kind of be at home. Um, yeah, it was a lot of hiding. It was a lot of like, it was a lot of like sneakery and I loved it. It was, we had cousins that lived down the street from us. So when all the tias and the tios would come over to our house, we would run over there and watch whatever. Oh my God. And 
I watched like Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was six, seven. Like oh it was God. on TV. Yeah. And it was terrifying because it's like the stage show and that's a lot to come into. Um, like Edward Scissorhands, like these, uh, the witches, you know, like Hocus Pocus, like all of this for me, like queer iconography. Yes. Which I didn't know where or how to place in my, my worldview. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was a movie, but I didn't understand the story. Like yeah. I could not understand what they were getting at. And it was a lot of like hiding how I felt about things in, in a recent excavation of, uh, I'm sure some childhood trauma. I was thinking about, Andrew and I were talking about like, what was the first time that we experienced queerness really in film and then it was projected onto us or we projected onto it. Mm. And I remember we were home, my sister uh, Liz and my mom, and we were watching TV and we were clicking through channels and we stopped on one and I was like, oh, I want to watch that. I had been seeing commercials for this movie and I was like, oh, I want to watch that. And it was fucking oh fuck what's the name I'm like I feel crazy now because I'm blanking on it uh it was yeah it was too Wong Fu and like there had been commercials all week for like we're gonna it's the like for the first time on tv <clears throat> we're gonna show too Wong Fu and I like had never you know what I mean like I had seen drag queens but in like a reality media Mm -hmm. so like uh talk shows and like you didn't really get to see their floor show you know what I mean right not like today not like today's kids um so I was trying to watch that as like a seven-year-old I was like oh I want to stay here with that I want to watch that and my mom was like no we're not going to watch this like I'm sorry like we're not going to watch this okay we're going to watch something else and I was like, we like changed the channel to something else. And my sister was relieved. And I was like, I hate this. I was like, why are we, wa-? it was like some other bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, no, I want to watch the other movie. And my sister like flipped. She was like, they're fucking gay. She's like, he's fucking gay. He's going to grow up to be gay like them. And I remember just like hearing it and like not being insulted, but being like, what? Like, I didn't understand that that's what that meant. But then I saw my mother's reaction, which is very like, no, no, don't say that. That's such a mean thing to say to someone. Like, you don't talk to people like that. And it was so strange to have that response. And like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that media made people feel like that. And obviously, like, she was clearly annoyed about television. And like, my sister had internalized something about how to make someone feel a certain way with a certain word from her own experiences in the world. And that's how, and like, it all came to, to a boil in our home. But it was such a strange experience that continued throughout our childhood and adolescence. You know, like, smash cut. Uh, I was like, my parents were like, we want to rent you movies because we understand that we're detached. Uh, what do you want to watch? And I was like, Chicago and Frida. And they were like, what? And I was like, those are the two movies I want to watch. <laughs> so they like, they like rented them for me. And I like, we were like having like a family, an extended family dinner. 
And by extended, I mean like 14 relatives in our yeah. home, in our tiny apartment. And I'm just like, I'm going to put on Chicago. <laughs> it's just like the opening sequence. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck yes. You like, were I had so never... about it. Yeah. I was like, what, 11, like 10 maybe? No, right. no I was like, because I'm 30 now. Chicago was like early 2000s. Yeah, right? it was like really early 2000s. Like 2003. Something like that. Was it pre or post yeah. 11? That's what I'm trying to like, figure out. I think it was post, but I also constantly forget. We have computers. I'm sorry. On our, I'm, I'm Googling it. <laughs> this, won't be, this won't be the first nor the last time. 2002. I just forget. I don't time. 2002. 9-11 or Chicago? Chicago. 9-11 was okay. 2001. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, um, yeah, so like Chicago came out um, and my parents could not, like I saw how embarrassed they were that I was watching it and like no one shamed me about it. It was very like, my aunt was just like, there are kids, like we can't be watching this dude plow Renee Zellweger and then she's gonna murder him. Like we can't. Yeah, we can't those right things now. happen in such quick succession. <laughs> And that was enough for them to be like, we need to shut this down. Yeah. Um, tried to first... watch Frida immediately shut Some, down again. Uh, immediately sex happens in that movie. Exactly. You're just like, fuck, like, okay. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you were going to say? No, no, no. But like, was that the first time that you had seen Chicago? Or like, had you seen it and you were like, this is amazing. I have to show everyone I know. I had never, I had never seen it. I think oh. <laughs> the only musical experience I, because I grew up in the Central Valley of California, in the San Joaquin mm -hmm. Valley, like, dead middle of California, the, the Bible belt of California. Right. If there were white people, if there are, there are white people there and they are anti-vaxxers, racists, and like historically called us the N-word, but only because I'm darker than the other Mexicans. You know right. What I mean? <laughs> and it's just like, that was the community I grew up in. Right. There are some, not, not all white people, but uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Like there, yeah. that was the, that was the community. Yeah. Um, you never have to so specify no, like, on I this had podcast. Seen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I had, yeah, I had seen Little Mermaid. I yeah. had seen like Mary Poppins, which I also love. You know what I mean? Like I had seen those kinds of musicals. It was the first time that I really saw something with like For gravitas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it fucked me up. Like, and then it I would like, <laughs> um, then of course I was like, I have seven days with this film. Like, and I would play it every night. I like made my brother and my sister-in-law watch it. And my brother was, by the time it was the cell block tango. And I was oh, just like, the, the beauty, yes. the spectacle. Yes. Um, the choreography. The, the bizarre, uh, the bodies. Yeah, just, and I remember him being like, why are you his words were like why are you into this like what about this excites you and I was like even my sister-in-law was like these women are sprawled on these men right now this isn't even a gay thing like this is just like how are you not like it was a very confusing conversation to try to have with people no one knew what to make of your your love of Chicago <laughs> no one knew what to do with it and I think my parents saw like the rapidly increasing flow of uh, information that I was starting to funnel. Um, 
and like the music that I was starting to listening to was starting to really diverge from like what my siblings were wanting to listen to. It was like No Doubt and like Scissor Sisters. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? Like, like really like, but also like I grew up with a, with kids who grew up in the eighties. So it was like Queen, mm. Pink Floyd, like Twisted, like, uh, is it Twisted Sister? Yeah. It, like, uh, like all of those like hair rock like it was a big part of like the journey for me was intuiting all of that and then having to decide my own identity outside of it absolutely oh very strange amazing i originally the first episode that we recorded together you were talking about the cartoon justice league no, X-Men. X-Men, right. Sorry, X-Men. I get them confused. No, you're fine. You're X-Men. totally fine. They're honestly one in the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, X-Men was another one of those things where, again, very young, you're allowed to watch it because it's just violence. It's cartoons. It's just violence. It's cartoons. <laughs> um, also, the gayest, one of the gayest cartoons. Like, it's of that era of, like, these 70s-born... Uh, uh animators who finally came into prominence in their early 30s and were like making this shit all of a sudden and it is the first time that i really explored in english a psychosexual relationship between three people yeah you know between gene and wolverine and cyborg and i just could never figure out why they couldn't figure it out today (laughs) i go back to those cartoons and i'm just like how how can they make this work foundational man but yeah like the bodies the The hair the work the which are just body dysmorphia all over the place you know what i mean yes and so hot Oh, just so hot. So I might be like completely making this up. So like, this is, this is not fact. This is like something that I feel like I read somewhere and now I'm going to be talking about it and I could just be like, sure. But like, I read somewhere that like a lot of the animators that like kind of came up in like late seventies, early eighties, kind of that era were actually gay people. And like, they, I believe it. Yeah. And like, so a lot of like, the bodies that were presented in these cartoons, like were, it wasn't like an accident that they cater so much to like the male gaze, like not just for women also, but for men, like what it, like what it means for a man to look at another man and be like, damn bro. Like that is, I've talked about this. I've talked about this on the podcast before, like the male gaze for men is very different than the, the female gaze for men. And of course, like not to be gender essentialists, Obviously, I am not gender essential myself, but I, so then it was also- As gender observers. As gender observant, we can, yes. As an observer yeah. of the binary, like it- Yeah. And then also I learned recently, and this is true, that like the animator who's like kind of primarily responsible for the Disney Renaissance of the early nineties, like late eighties, early nineties, was in fact gay. Like, so all of these queer villains not on accident like that was yes. very much like his no. way of, of slipping in the uh and and you know like i mean you're gonna have mm-hmm. ursula modeled after divine come on and you're not gay like come on it's just yeah i agree full heartedly like there's no it's 
there, there's a reason that fucking Wolverine and all of those other superheroes look like Tom of Finland models. Yes. Like there is a reason that those bodies look like that, that they're wearing the suits that they're wearing and that contemporary uh, retellings of these characters are going so hard towards the mask. Yeah. You know, to like really, really cover up the homoeroticism of it. There was so much homoeroticism. Is... Everybody was, also, you're going to tell me that you're a mutant. You've developed superhuman abilities and you're not going to fuck anything in sight. Well, then, then there's Come also, on. there's like this kind of like queer narrative, like in X-Men already, where these people who are different and persecuted for being so, are then like, you know, taken kind of outside of society and they have a little community of their own where they fuck and have drama with each other and like, you know, protect each other and also the world. Like that's a very gay narrative you're presenting here. And they're it's all the like evil. ripped and beautiful. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's Stonewall or Barry's boot camp, depending on what kind of gay you are. Like it's <laughs> it's the world that we live in right now. That's a queer story right there. Yes. And like uh, and obviously, right, it extends to the reality that it was also a piece about the civil rights. Mm-hmm. Well, like still displacing brown people almost completely by turning them into monsters or animals. Um, but, you know, like it is, uh, it is the kind of story that lends itself to the, to the queer, right? To the queer perspective on society and the need to protect yourself and mm-hmm. still be fucking messy. Like yeah. there's still... Yeah, I love that. Superheroes. I, yes, Kari, you you go. I didn't have a point. Go. <laughs> no, on like on the on the villain on the villains on the villainy on the villainry on the queer coded uh, villains. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yes. There's there are too many times that I learned how to push my imaginary hair back like Scar did. Ugh. You know what I mean? There are like two, like the slinking the slanking of Ursula like the movements everywhere that existed in in Disney like I'm so thankful for being someone who grew up in the Disney Renaissance yes like, we're I'm very sure lucky now must be such a I'm sure now is a very different time in the in the the cultural atmosphere of Disney and I'm thankful for it although very bothered by their fucking anti-trans legislation and money uh, what a conflicting world what a conflicting world oh it's so complicated to be alive <laughs> It's so complicated to be alive. And I'm going to tell you right now that as soon as I make $1 million, I'm going to start fracking. Really? So don't come for me. <laughs> come, really? It's just the earth. <laughs> I'm no, going to a climate like... march on Friday and I'm going to report you. <laughs> Not no, RuPaul like... up in this bitch. <laughs> Not here. But it's that whole, yeah, it's such a, it's, it's so, uh, it's so like uh, of the Medici's, you know what I mean? Like yeah. empowering these gay artists to like enjoy their work and then take what they have. I mean, and it, it's so strange. Yes. I mean, here's the thing that it's important for us to remember is that like Disney is a company founded by a man who was deeply anti Semitic and racist. And uh, obviously, I'm sure hated gay people, but I'm sure if you like talked to him about it now, he'd be like, what's that? 
um, <laughs> wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. That just that's not real. Let alone trans people. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they are about profit above all. And the fact that one of their like main parks is in Orlando, Florida, they're going to like side with whatever like allows them to keep their park like booming and open. Mm -hmm. And like it actually has like so little to do with how like the Disney Corporation and the people working there actually feel about gay people and has yeah. everything to do with how they feel about like ever increasing profit, which is obviously a problem. And I think it's like yeah. it's that's where it kind of gets complicated, right? Because like like it's not even about like Disney's feelings because Disney's a fucking corporation. <laughs> like Disney yeah. the yeah. corporation of Disney it's an is an entity. It's an entity and it's about money first, foremost, and last. Like that's that's all it is, folks. Yeah. And like I think it's okay that to it manages. No, go. Go, 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 go. I think it's okay to enjoy Disney deep EP, like IP. It's impossible to avoid these days. Um, but like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll get canceled for saying such a thing because we all need to like divest our money and whatnot. It's a huge monopoly, which is another issue. Like, again, like it's impossible to avoid like Dis Disney IP at this point. Like if you are a consumer of media, like you're going to encounter it. And I don't think you need to like let it let it ruin your fond memories of growing up in truly what is like the greatest like era of, of children's films. Like, I, I don't think that we've seen like anything like that since. I did really love Turning Red though. Did you see Turning Red? Uh, my friend was watching it, but I didn't want to watch it because I was in a car and I was like, no, Oh no, no, don't watch it in a car. It. You have to see yeah. it because it is amazing. It is amazing. I'm very excited. I think I might just watch it right after. This. You should watch just it right after this. And, and, and yes. watch it. And text me and tell me what you think. Like I think Pixar's really good, hit it. Good, good. Yes. Pixar's really hit it out of the park this year. I loved Encanto. Um, you saw Encanto? I did. I did see it. Yes. Yes. I liked it. Oh. I liked it a lot. And I feel, and this is, and this is my where I'll get canceled within the Latina community. Um, it was no Coco. You know what I mean? And I know that I they're do. not the same movie and I they're not based in the mean. same place. But structurally, Coco hits it out of the park every time. And Encanto was so good. And there were so many elements that were so powerful. But it also feels like we didn't really get to explore Colombia like it, it you know you know what I mean like it was very um and we've had I've had like discussions about it here with the some of the Latina community here in New Zealand and they're like the Colombians are like well, well Colombia is so vast like how can you attempt to tell a story about something that was so grand in scale in something so uh, narrow. Contained? Yes, very contained. Yeah. It's a very contained story. It all takes place like in the house. Like yeah, that's where the story like happens. Priming itself for a musical. You know what I mean? Like they want to go to Broadway. Clearly, which yes. Is like, but yeah, I it, it was a delight though. And it it is constantly a delight to see films about 
people who speak Spanish and are from Spanish speaking places who eat foods that are similar to things that I grew up in. It's, yeah. It's great. It's really fun. I'm, I'm actually with you. I did enjoy Coco more than Encanto. It's not my place to say who like who the fuck gives a shit what I think about it. But like I <laughs> I I just think Coco is like such a phenomenal, like very special um yeah. film that like for me as someone with a dead dad who was a musician and he died on Dia de los Muertos, like he that was the day that, that he passed away. So like that movie hit me in this like really like personal, profound way. And like, I thought Encanto was lovely. And like, obviously, like as a person who has generational trauma, like absolutely, yes, like I get it. But like, yes, it, I, for me, we're talking about me. Coco was more important for yes. me, yes. a white person. <laughs> that was, I'm so I agree with you, I guess. I don't know, but. Yeah, I just think that like, I when we talk about generational trauma, right? Which is, I think what makes a good story. Yes, like, uh, yes. It can't be. It, Trauma can't be the only plot point. Yeah, it can't be the it can't be the the linchpin mm-hmm. of, of of a product of a of, mm-hmm. a, of a of a cultural experience. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at queerness and we're looking at our abilities to associate or disassociate with with art, like yeah. that is where it's at. You yeah. know, getting to hyperimpose music or art or queerdom on top of any kind of medium like I just feel that in this case Coco was more open to my to my interpretation of of laws and like uh the inability to deal with your heroes being liars and like so all important. of that you know like it's so, so beautiful there was so much there was so much and also just like visually what a treat Stunning. of a film Oh my God. Like, oh, that it's my grandma's house. Like that's how my grandma's town looks. It looks like Morelia Michoacan, like, which is like historic. Like you can Google like images of day of the dead in Morelia Michoacan. And they're, they're that cemetery. I mean, so many cemeteries, but like beautiful, beautiful elements down there. Really, really incredible. No. Okay. So I'm trying to avoid spoilers for turning red. Yeah. Cause I really think yes, you should yes. watch it. But like, I yes. think what turning red did so spectacularly well is it really like wove this very universal experience of like puberty and growing up with the generational baggage that that carries especially if you're from a culture that is not white like and what like Mm -hmm. what it means to be you know not not white experiencing puberty and it's just it's so perfect and it reminds me a lot of the movies I had about like girls coming of age stories and I'm really glad that it exists because I didn't I wasn't sure that those kinds of movies still existed anymore like yeah I had like now and then and oh god what was I had I had stuff but now and then it really comes to mind that turning red weirdly really reminds me of um it it's it's really perfect and I I uh, completely understand no that's the wrong word it is unsurprising to me that it's received the backlash that it has because yeah, people are, you know, much like your family not wanting to talk to you about Chicago or telenovelas. They don't want to they talk to their do it. They don't want to talk to their children about periods. 
or like how their bodies change and how their personalities change and living with your panda, so to speak. Um, it was yeah. so it was so weird because I did the episode about the Irish boy bands before I saw Turning Red and then Turning Red has this whole like plot about the boy band and i was like shit i should have done i should have watched it first i didn't know um but it is no i didn't know it is so so phenomenal and just like it media and the media we consume like is so intrinsically linked to our growing up and our understanding of the world as adolescents yes yeah there's no there's no escape no like this um the way that we read things that they're like, oh, you're going to read fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at this age. <laughs> oh, you're going to read like fucking uh, Wizard of Oz or whatever. Like it's, it is tied to core memories. Core memories. Core, like core bodily chemical experiences that you're having yes. happen at the same time as these pieces of media. And yeah, they're intrinsic and there's no... It's so it's it's so strange, right, to watch people get up in arms about children's sexuality and gender. People get so up in arms because, as far as I'm concerned, from like birth, from zygote to fucking twenty two, I think we're all just meatloafs with headbands on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so hard to deal with being alive that honestly, let children figure out what whatever the fuck they're going to figure out mm-hmm. and help them as best you can. Yeah. It's, and media helps. I think media really helps. I think media getting helps. to have pieces that you can uh, take apart and pick apart and explore is really important. There's, mm-hmm. there's this really good book by Jose Esteban Munoz uh, called Hi, everyone. This is Leo. Sorry, Asao stepped out to find the title of the book and then said it from far away. So I'm going to help go ahead and tell you that the title of the book is this identifications or misidentifications. Anyway, you'll hear it here just in a moment. Disidentifications, which I found, I think, the year before I moved to Oregon. And it was like a Queers of Color in the Performance of Politics. And it's Ooh. a spectacular piece. It's, if you've never read the work, no. I think you'd love it. I want to it read is, it. It's foundational. I think every school should be teaching <gasps> this. Um, there was a, a posthumous uh, collection of essays and teachings that just came out this year that I got to read because I sent in a, a performance art piece for them too. And it was just like, what that book meant for me as a young artist who was who wanted to be an actor but also was like oh I know that there's I know where I know what I'm straddling as a brown queer uh, Mexican like Mexican American in a white dominated classical form ass fucking institution and what does my body say on a stage and my watered down thesis of disidentifications is the experience and for lack of a better word, the the appropriation of content that it otherwise excludes brown queer people and our ability to put ourselves upon it and use it and to identify with, to identify with characters like fucking uh, Eddie Davis, you know what I mean? To identify with like the mystique and the aura around 
Joan Crawford and uh, this world that otherwise would not have us. Uh, high camp of like Ariel and Ursula. Yes. How do I identify with these mythical white creatures? You know, like how yes. do I put myself there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's still like, it's still a work in progress. It's still something that we all have to constantly do. Yeah. Even now, like when we, when we were in production for, I was recently one of, I think we were like one of two professional plays happening in all of New Zealand Wow! for a bit with this production of Grand Horizons mm-hmm. because like we were, we were just getting Omicron. Yeah. Um, I'm in a very small bit of it where I'm like this hookup, this gay hookup that comes to hook up with this dude. And he's like, oh, it's just like a neurotic gay theater teacher, which is just like a straight white woman wrote this play. And you're just like, right. Um, No diss, but that is the scene. And we've had lots of fun. We've enjoyed it a lot. And we were playing only to uh, the subscribers because it's a subscriber-based institution that we live in. And we had one night where these verbally audible homophobic men were in the audience. And I don't think it's gratuitous what we were doing. We were like making, we were drunk and making out. That's the scene. Then I go over to the couch and I pull my pants down, but I'm wearing a jog strap. And like the audible, like, the, the audible sound that they were making through a lot of it. Like, and it wasn't, our sound designer was like, this isn't some, I'm, I'm trying to make you feel better, but I know it's not better. It wasn't just you guys. It was also whenever the women said anything that they didn't agree with. Oh. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like the only thing gayer than us kissing on stage is the fact that there's a fucking play going on. What the fuck are you yes! doing at the theater? You know what I mean? Like, what oh, the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. This reminds me of like what happened recently at that theater in England where they did rent and someone walked out being like, I didn't know this was a gay play. But it's like, honey, I thought are- this was La Boheme. Like you are at the theater. There's nothing gayer than being at the theater. <laughs> It's really crazy. Uh But to have people be so overwhelmed by art is one, kind of so cute. And two, like, what? Like, (laughs) you get this isn't about us. Like, this is 100% about you not being able to deal with what you're feeling right now. That twinge that I felt watching Little Mermaid or Nala and Lion King I was a, I explored myself and I figured that shit out. You have not figured that out yet, sir. Oh, and I'll, that is just the yeah. perfect, that's a perfect point to, to segue into kind of our wrapping up because I don't, I don't know how to, yeah. how to I, that's it. You said it all, <laughs> you said it all, said the whole thing. Um, Really quickly though, on the note that you're talking about. Yes. I just started reading this really incredible kind of anthology called um, A Rainbow Thread by, uh-huh. mm, I'm going to insert it in post. Um, <laughs> yes. 
Um, and it's like, it's like texts about like Jewishness and homosexuality and like queerness mm -hmm. from like the like first century to 1969. And like, Love it that. is fascinating. I am having the best time reading all of this. It's because like, it, it's just like, it's, it, it's, it's uh, the bare minimum, like proof that like, oh, hello. There's no one here, relax. Is that Kira or Pietro? It's Kira, there's birds that eat the tomatoes <gasps> in the front yard and she gets Get so him, bad. Get him, you tell Kira. him what's what. Ben, good girl. <gasps> oh my little babe oh she's got a haircut yeah she got a little trim oh she is oh yes 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 oh oh they're both up okay i'll make i'll make this quick they'll be fine they'll figure it out the point is it's like some of these texts are it's not all positive obviously i'm gonna i'm gonna mute myself but i want to keep listening yes <laughs> It's not all positive, like sunshine and rainbows, like mm, gay people. And like a lot of it is like from the point of view of people being like, ew, gay people. Um, but then also there's like this like Talmudic section about rabbis talking about how atoms like intersex and like all of like queer interpretations of like Torah and just like evidence that we were here and that we existed and that like gayness and Jewishness like is compatible and linked and has always been like it, it and that has been like a really profound experience reading that are the doggies quiet now they're quiet yeah that's amazing I'd love to read that yes because I think that where where uh American Christianity and in turn uh, westernized Christianity really loses its its sight is when they forget that it was nothing about them. It like happened in a whole other ass country on a whole other ass continent that had nothing to do with them. Yes. And they prescribe these very new notions of like heteronormativity and puritanical rage that they that they have still put upon us like they're yes. still around us and it's crazy that there aren't more expressions of queerness considering the fact that like the king james bible mm -hmm. was translated by a gay man yes he was gay he was gay he was like those are the those were like some of the first let i think are historically the first letters of like queer love in the royal registry yeah like his letters to his lover yes and it's it's so bonkers to me ah, yes in the immortal words of quinta brunson people be gay and that will be gay people be gay We're, we have to start wrapping it up i'm going to ask the wrap-up questions now yeah. um what was your experience of sex ed did you ever have the talk uh, either from your parents or in school i'd love to hear about both yeah yeah i in school it happened i think it started in the in the fourth grade fourth fifth grade which i think is young but also great i'm glad they were talking about it um the first half was very like you have testicles and a penis now watch this woman give birth um and it's like don't get gonorrhea you know and that was like i do grade. think fourth grade then... is a little bit soon for that <laughs> <laughs> that is like maybe like, oh. not a 
I mean, I think it's great that they're telling they you like, facts about you having a penis and testicles. That's good. Um, great start. <laughs> weird. <laughs> but gonorrhea, you're in like, fourth motherfucking grade. And they like separated us. Yes, of course. The gender essentialism. And, yes. like, and then like one girl, Cynthia, came back into the room while the projection of a penis and testicles was still up. And like, I remember the frantic, like, <laughs> like covering of it. And it was just so comical to me. Um, comical to me too. We had this really, ah, oh, yeah. We had this instructor, this teacher named Mr. Betancourt. I don't know. This shouldn't go against him. And honestly, he's probably tenured or retired now. But probably he fine. I'm not going to bleep was, his name. Don't. He's he's pro and he should be fine with this. And I, I say this with all respect to this man because he was very open with us. Um, he's like, look, I know where we live. I know like the the teen pregnancy rates in our community are are huge. They're, it's like very high teen pregnancy uh meth addiction suicide and uh, also really high standardized testing rates though so like it's the perfect Go central valley um, <laughs> get it um but it was he was just like look like there's nothing wrong with your body you guys mm -hmm. are gonna start experiencing these different feelings and you're gonna call it jerking off it's really masturbation you're going to call it your dick. It's really your penis. Like there are ways that you have to have conversations with a doctor versus your friends. And he like explained pornography to us at that age. And I like, I don't think I've really think seen pornography at I think that that's point. that's good though. I think that's good. That sounds like yeah. good sex ed because well, like, he was, yeah. He, well, he was just like, look, I have a son who's a, who's adopted. Um, and I wanted to make sure that when I, cause sex with an adopt, like to have a child, you have to have sex, but sometimes some children are adopted. So it's a very, it, it, it's a, it's a wagon wheel made of many wheels. Um, and he was just like, I rented my son a porno when he was like 15 and everyone's like, oh, what? How great? Like, what the cool dad? Um, <laughs> he was like, I have to, ex like, guys, like, the reason I did it was that he was, I knew he was going to find one. I knew, like, if it wasn't mine, he was going to find his own. And I also wanted him to know that, like, love is not pornography. What you see in pornography is a fantasy, is high drag, like is high it high drag? Yes, and you know, like it's performance, it is a performance, and and it and and it's gone. It, yeah, it literally ends. Yeah, and I remember thinking like, oh, that's so. It was a lot. It was a lot to hear at that age, um, but it wasn't. It was just like, oh, right, like I am. My body is morphing, and I'm getting really tall, and like I don't know what to do with my limbs. Um, and my mother was also, we were single family household until I was single parent household until I was 12. And she was never shy about talking to us about her life. Not in a, not to say that she was like this, uh, beacon of feminism, but you know, like, but she very much so was like, look, like I have to prioritize being a mother over my sexual urges she's like don't you guys think that i have feelings and wants and yearnings that have nothing to do with you she's given nala eyes and it to was people. like yeah 
she was going and she was just like, look, like it's gonna happen to all of you. And she was not puritanical about it at all. She was very like, you're just gonna grow up and you, please don't get anyone pregnant. Like be smart. There's so many contraceptives in the world. Good also don't her. be gay. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's don't that part. Don't get anyone um, pregnant, but don't be gay. Yeah, <laughs> but don't be gay. <laughs> yeah, but that was, I mean, it was very open and it was very like, whenever you have questions, like, don't be weird about it. Like, talk to us about it. She's like, there's menstruation in the household. It's happening. Let's talk about like, don't look at me like that because I'm menstruating and you won't fucking get out of this house. Um, I love it. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do violence to you because I'm on my period. <laughs> <laughs> I have felt that urge. Who amongst us? <laughs> to murder. To merger when I'm bleeding, <laughs> when I'm having my my manly menstruation. Yeah. I do consider the it the goes. most masculine the thing that I do. I consider my period to yes. be the most masculine thing that I do. <laughs> I I am so I don't even know what I don't even know what it would be like. You know what I mean? Like it it's either it's that spectrum of beauty and terror for me, where yes. I'm just like <sighs> I mean, it's pretty. Kira's in yeah. season right now too. Oh, she has her little period. She's in. She has her period right now, and like Andrew and I are like constantly googling, like, is she all right? Like, does she get cramps? Like, do does we she? have to give her Tylenol? Like, um, they're like, unless you can sense, unless they're like Distressed. whimpering and yeah. making sounds of pain, like, then they're fine. They're like, if it's a heavy flow day, obviously put on their little diaper. Um do give them more treats they will sleep a lot more and she does she sleeps a lot more right now yeah so we're just like here take give her what she wants such a good dad to your daughter um that's amazing i also i i don't i don't use um disposable menstrual products i have i have uh period undies which i love and swear by but like as a man i myself feel that i must free bleed i cannot stick anything up my manly my boy pussy as it were Ooh. um but so why do it when, when, when you have options <laughs> oh you, you have so I mean? many options this world? you have so many options i like mm, i myself like i know a lot of people who we love uh, who love their menstrual cup and I more power to them. I think that's great. I myself, yeah. um, I just, I just want to walk around bleeding out of my puss and that feels like really metal to me. Is that so wrong? Is that, so, know, wrong? Is that so wrong? Can I just <laughs> walk around <laughs> bleeding. That's fucking baller. That's metal. That's hard. <laughs> That's incredible. I um, love that. I yes. Love that. Um, so if you want to be found on the internet, uh, where can people find you? You can find me at, both on Instagram and Twitter as at Esau, E-S-A-U, Cito, S-I-T-O, Morando, M-O-R-A-N-D-O. It's so long. I will link we'll it the, in we'll the put, show notes. Yeah. We'll, we'll drop it in there. We'll, we'll put it in the, the link. Yeah. In the link. It'll be fine. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Anything you'd like to promote before before we say goodbye? Anything I'd like to promote? Um, yeah. Uh, none of my own things. Oh, that's okay. But friends things. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yes. On like queer, on queer books about theater. Yes. Um, uh, we Play Ourselves by yes. Jen Silverman. Yes. Has been dragging my ass through the streets like a horse it we just, love 
if you love. you want to feel seen, you want to feel dirty, you want to feel excited and kind of full of yearning and rage, go fucking read that book. Mm. It's phenomenal. And in this time where we can't always make it to theater or see theater, how great that we have a piece like that to go oh, play with. I love Jen Silverman so yeah. much. Yeah. Amazing. She's she's the sweetest and oh right best. you like know her yeah she's she's great on that aside yeah the, the look at the material you know look at I mean? the material look at the, look look at the, the material, material. <laughs> yes, yes 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 totally amazing amazing um uh yeah you can find me at non-binary butler on twitter.com or at leo underscore Greerson. you can find the podcast at that do it for you on instagram and at that do it for you on Twitter. And also if you want to become a patron of the show, we are having bonus episodes for patrons now. I know that I slacked on that. I've been slacking on the Patreon content. I'm sorry, I'm a busy boy, but we do have a bonus episode where you can hear uh, librarian Emily Hawks talk about libraries and how they're horny for libraries these days. And soon there will be a very special bonus episode with um, former editor of the pod and the voice that you hear at the top uh, singing our theme song, Eric Solis, talking about uh, theme parks and uh, Disneyland and Universal Studios and just the whole theme park experience. Um, so you can check that out if you become a patron at patreon.com. If that do it for you pod that's what we are um and my last and final question for my guest uh did that do it for you did it oh it did it it did it, it? Did it. Uh, i'm enlivened i'm bold and i'm about to go yell incredible. well that did it for me hope that did it for you thank you so much for listening that do it for you is hosted and created by leo grierson edited and produced by leo grierson and eric solis theme songed by eric solis and visual design is by benny kessler follow us on social media at that do it for you wherever you social your media that do it for you is a proud arm of the juvenilia collective to find out more about the collective and what we do you can head over to thejuveniliacollective.com and if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash that do it for you pod to join our horny little community. 